Alrighty, everybody. Good morning. A very pleasant sunny day here in the New York metropolitan area. And uh, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Wiz, how are you this morning? Doing, uh, I'm doing pretty good. Weather is uh, mild. Maybe we're getting some hints of some spring weather. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see if that continues. But uh, I did happen to notice in the forecast there could be some more uh, some bad weather coming next week. But uh, we'll take what we can get today. And today's a very nice, mild, sunny day. Yep. And, uh, you know, as Wiz and I talked about uh, on our last podcast, we're going to be coming at you every week with, with, with different items. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of tossed around a couple of ideas for this particular segment. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's, you know, obviously there's news every day in the NFL about players, where they're going on, uh, where they're moving to. But um, in particular, I think it's going to get very interesting. Uh, we've talked about the uh, uh, upcoming free agent period in the NFL, which uh, there's certainly a bevy of move that that will occur. Some players will stay with their current team. Some players will move. There's contract squabbles that are still going on. Obviously, quarterbacks, uh, a big topic of discussion as that uh, carousel continues. But, you know, Wiz and I, today, we, we wanted to start talking about some of the un, unrestricted free agents and uh, potential landing spots. And, and in some cases, whether these players are able to kind of stay, stay with their current team. And I think when we look at the offensive skill positions, there are a number of key players there. There's, there's also some key linemen and, and defenders as well, uh, the Super Bowl champions. Um, I I noticed had a number of guys on the defensive side of the football that are going to be impacted here. And, and that's what Wiz and I are going to talk about today. Yeah. And yeah, that would definitely get into the unrestricted free agents and landing spots and, and definitely uh, some impact players. And uh, you can see how a player at a skill position, you know, with, with the right uh, situation can certainly make an immediate impact and, uh, what stands out to me was uh, people thought that, you know, DeAndre Hopkins going to Arizona was going to be it, but really Stephon Diggs uh, going, going to the bills um, <laughs> just, just took off. And, 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 and if you had that combination of Josh Allen and Diggs, you were killing it almost uh, on a weekly basis with the number of catches he was uh, recording and, and yards. And uh, it, it just, it was just, a perfect storm, if you will, uh, for the Bills, and we'll, we'll have to see if there are any uh, situations like that ha- happening this year, and there certainly could be with the uh, talent of some of these players. So I guess we'll, let's start with quarterback, where I think it's pretty quiet uh, at the position. Uh, you know, this, the main thing is the saga of Dak Prescott, where the Cowboys could franchise him, the Cowboys could sign him to a long-term deal, the Cowboys could can trade the player, um, it's getting to the point, I, I was mentioning this last time, it has this Kirk Cousins feel to it where I just think he's going to end up playing the rest of his career with another team because it doesn't look like they're, they're close on a long-term deal. So uh, not much uh, not much at quarterback, the Dak situation, um, Trubisky, 
um, and some of these other quarterbacks, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, Ryan Fitzpatrick, any any of these guys that you want to you know really talk about or uh, what you think is going to end up happening with them? So I, I think amongst that list, you know, when we look at this group, actually there is one bit of quarterback news this morning before we go into the list, and, and, and Art, Art Rooney from the Steelers did basically come across and say that Ben, Steel, ben Roethlisberger will be back with the Steelers. So that kind of clears up uh, one bit of kind of uh, uh, uncertainty around the quarterback position. So that was announced just a little while ago, so I thought I, I would add that. Um you know, so for me, with with the Winston situation, uh, it, it'll clearly, I think in, in your eyes, and I think I, I agree with you that Winston's going to be given every opportunity to, to win that particular job. Uh, Taysom Hill will still be there, but I think they'd like to use them more in that utility role than, than every down quarterback. So I think that's key. I think Trubisky's the most interesting guy on the list as a potential starter around the league when we, when we look at some you know, some other opportunities depending on the franchises that are out there. So that's one. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, though, to me, could be one of the most compelling players. If we, if we think about this uh, particular group of quarterbacks and, and some of the young quarterbacks that are out there, Ryan Fitzpatrick certainly was one of those veteran guys that accepted the role of being a mentor. He still seems like he's got the energy and the desire to continue on with his career. So I think and the skill and, and the skill. He, yeah, he was terrific. I yeah. mean, when he when he just doesn't turn the ball over, uh, his accuracy, his desire, his uh, you know his willingness to to, to run for first downs. Uh, you know, he's he's just one of these guys where. He has to be. I mean, I've never, I haven't seen like whatever a poll ever or one of these things taken, but he has to be one of the most favorite guys uh, by teammates. Uh, you know, to, to play. I mean, you know, they just love the guy and yeah. uh, they just rally around him. So I hope Brian Fitzpatrick could end up in a landing spot where, um, you know, he could uh, he could finish out his career kind of like on his terms as opposed to. What happened with Miami? I guess. Yeah, look, and I, and I think I think to that point, I think he's fine. Like, if it's a backup role, I think he's fine with that. You know, we know that injuries happen consistently. We see what happened with the Dallas Cowboys last year after Prescott went down. So, if Ryan, if your team has to go to Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, as a backup quarterback, and it's a pretty solid offensive system, you're going to have good success. Uh, you're not going to have a significant drop off. He's shown that ability to do that. So, so I'm going to be very curious where he actually ends up and I think the most likely place would be a place where he's actually backing up one of these young young kids either someone drafted this year or maybe one of the young quarterbacks uh, in in the league right now maybe even something like the Chargers behind a Herbert or something like that you know I think he he endears himself like you said to teammates and I think he takes seriously the the responsibility of being uh, a mentor and a teacher to, to some of these young players in the league. Let me ask you before we move on to, to running back. So Cam Newton. So is, is somebody going to give him a chance to win a starting quarterback job for their team? Or is Cam Newton going to have to be resigned to the fact that he's going to go into the season as a clear backup and he could get playing time if something was happening to start or whether it be bad play or injury? How do you think it, it plays out? 
for Cam Newton. So I saw a recent comment by him where he talked about how COVID really set him back. You know, the fact that that may well be the case. Uh, when you think about it, I think I joked around that um, uh, what's his name, the the wide receiver on the uh, on, on on the on the Patriots. Um, Edelman. No, the, the the young kid that actually had some big games towards the second half of the year. What what was the kid's name? Um, not not uh, Nikhil Harry, the the other kid. Um, um, yeah, he, um, the kid oh from goodness. NC, the kid from NC State. He had a big game, a tremendous game against the Jets on Jacoby uh, Jacoby uh, Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers had just as many touchdown passes in the second half of the season to wide receivers uh, than Cam Newton had. So you know. <laughs> Cam Newton looked terrible. I, I can't be blaming COVID for balls being thrown in the dirt. And it, I just don't think Cam Newton's getting a starting an opportunity to start a quarterback um, at least at least at the start of the season. That's he is going to be relegated to a backup role in my eyes. All right, and now let's move on to really where the meat and potatoes, if you will, of the free agents in terms of talent on offense are, which are running back and wide receiver and. Uh, <clears throat> Running back consists of some guys who I think, you know, have kind of tailed off and are some interesting players and and wondering which teams will give them a shot. And then there are two guys clearly at the head of the class. So I have six guys um, written down. I guess I'll put them from six to one. So Todd Gurley, I have at six, and I just don't know what he has left in the tank. Uh, I, I don't see him as a running back, but I see him, you know, possibly signing somewhere where his carries could be limited. Uh, but I'm not sure how much he has left. Uh, James Connors last couple of years have been injury plagued, and I just don't know. But there's a lot to like about him. I'm not sure if I'm ready to give up on him. I, I think he has a lot left. Um, and I'm just wondering how it plays out for him. And the injury is just a little bit of a concern. Kenyon Drake is relatively a young player. Um, and I don't know. Um, it seems like he started off extremely hot and then it's tailed off for him. Leonard Fournette revived his career. I, I think he'll probably resign with Tampa, but I'm not sure. And then the two guys that are ahead of the class, Chris Carson, who – uh, I don't think is going to resign with the Seahawks. Couldn't be a workhorse. He's a tough guy. He plays through injuries. Um, there's a lot to like about Chris Carson and number one, Aaron Jones. So how do you see that group of running backs or any other players that you want to add uh, on that running back list? All right. So let, let's start with kind of the top of the list. Uh, I agree with you that I don't think Carson is going to be um, a Seattle Seahawk. Uh, I think they have the ability and, and I think they really do like Penny uh, and he was coming back from an injury last year. They have depth at the position. So I, I, there's been some mentions where a guy like Mike Davis, who's also a guy out there who I think is going to warrant definite attention um, after his uh, backing up uh, successfully of Christian McCaffrey this year. But seems like Seattle is definitely going to be moving in a different direction. So I agree with that one. Uh, you know, Chris Carson has a lot of ability. I, I think you want to put him in a system where you have a solid offensive line in front where he can kind of contribute. I actually think the, the 49ers would be an interesting place for Chris Carson. I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to stay within the division, but I think that's a good fit. And while on the 49ers, I think you want to watch what happens with Kyle Juszczyk. I, I think he's going to stay, but he's such a 
big part of what that team does in the running game. Uh, and, and I think you'd want to see that remain in place. Uh, I think that's bodes well for the entire uh, San Francisco 49er offense. And Aaron Jones, uh, you know, was mentioned this morning, and I've heard it a couple of days ago as well. It seems like the Miami Dolphins are pivoting towards him. They've got cap room for him. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers alluded to this at the end of the year where I think he essentially felt that he was going to be um, gone as, as a player. I think he, he, he kind of realized that for the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, Aaron Jones in the right situation. I think Miami's offense, I know Chan Gailey has kind of moved on from that role, but Miami wants to run the football. They did a good job, whoever they plugged in there, uh, those, those young guys that they had in there uh, during the season this year did a solid, solid job. And putting a guy like Aaron Jones in that offense would be a big boost. So it seems like that's the, the, the connection there is being made with Jones. I don't think Jones returns to Green Bay. Um, you know, you, you mentioned some of the other guys in the list. I, I don't really care where Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell, any of these kind of older guys long in the tooth end up. I think they're close to the end of their careers. Uh, as you mentioned, I think Fournette will stay in, in Tampa Bay. And he looked just great at the end of the season. And one guy I would watch out with Tampa Bay just because Tom Brady – I think James White is also an unrestricted free agent. New England couldn't find a way to use him this year. James White is an underappreciated player, uh, and I think he can fit a role anywhere in the NFL, quite frankly, uh, especially as a, as a pass catcher. So I'd like to see where a guy like that ends up as well. I, I want to ask you about one other play. So Kenyon Drake, um, I'm watching that situation very closely. I'm a Chase Edmonds owner. Um, I think you're in a situation in that particular offense where because of Kyler Murray and the way they run their offense, you're not necessarily facing strong fronts a lot of times. That may over-accentuate actually what Kenyon Drake's ability is. So I'd be a little bit cautious about where he goes and how high I'd be on him going somewhere else. Um, I want to ask you about one other player who had big time success. Yeah, before you ask me about the player, we'll just comment quickly on Connor. You know, is he a player that you would be cautious about because of the injuries? Would you give him? Uh, would you put an X through that and just say, you know, that that can happen? I still love the player. I, I'd be okay with him as a workhorse. Like, give me an overall evaluation of Connor if you're a team that's considering signing him. I'll tell you what, I love his story. Um, but the, the guy has, can't stay healthy. Uh, and that was a good offensive line there. I, I am a seller of, of Connor. I'm, I'm, I'm personally staying away from it. I think I'm, I'm too burned probably um, from two years ago. Uh, but, yeah. and, and then last year, not holding up again. I, I'm a seller of Connor, unfortunately. And what was the question you wanted to ask? About? Yeah, a, a guy like Philip Lindsay, who, you know, we know Melvin Gordon is in Denver. Uh, Philip Lindsay, his first couple of seasons with the Broncos, did rush for over 1,000 yards. I felt actually last year that he, coming into the season, I thought he was the better running back there. I think he's not a guy that can carry the ball every single down, but a guy that can touch the ball 12 to 15 times. He's a compelling guy. I, I don't know if he's going to stay in Denver, but I like the player. I think he could fit a like like. Philip Lindsay to the Jets or something like that makes a lot of sense to me. I don't think Philip Lindsay is going to command a huge, huge contract. And I think we we know these days running backs are discounted anyway. But I, I'm I'm curious to see where a guy like Philip Lindsay ends up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, what I don't like is you know he was just in and out of the game. You know, almost all season, uh, and with a guy that size. It's, that could start becoming concerning. Um, 
So I'd be a little bit dubious of, of that. But as far as his skill set, yeah, he could he could be a terrific player uh, as long as he's not, uh, you know, having to, to carry the ball that much a game. But he should get certainly 10 to 15 touches. Then uh, they never just threw him the ball. I mean, his receptions, I, I, I haven't looked up, but it's probably next to nothing. Uh, so I don't think he was utilized in any way. I don't understand when you have a player like Phil Lizzy who's so good in open space and you don't try and get him the ball, uh, you know, throwing the ball more. But the one last thing I want to say about the running back situation is I think there is a running back amongst that group that I mentioned and a team that fit like the perfect pair of gloves that you can ever buy in your life, and that's Chris Carson and the Falcons. Arthur Smith taking over that team you know what he wants to do you know how he wants to do it and i think the atlanta falcons and chris carson make a world of sense and well yeah i mean a team like the 49ers with what they want to do with the running game and the jets are certainly gonna you know be in the market for carson and aaron jones certainly i just think that the if, if chris carson's looking and he could get equal pay uh, going to Atlanta as he would anywhere else, knowing what Arthur Smith, you know, how he how he handled Derrick Henry and how much he values the running game. I think that of all the running backs out there, the workhorse guy is Chris Carson and uh, going to an Arthur Smith-led Falcons team now, makes a world of sense. I, 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 like, I like your thinking there. And I think Chris Carson is actually a very underappreciated pass catcher. Um, yeah, he really is. I, I, I just think that's a... Part of his game that that is taken for granted, but he's one of these power guys. He's you know this is a guy that 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 was not coming out of college was not a guy that was recognized as as a premier talent. But but I think he's got a lot of ability, and and generally speaking, he's he's actually been able. To, he's a, he's a pretty tough guy actually. He has endured some injuries as all running backs do, but but he usually bounces back pretty quickly. I, I like your thinking in terms of landing spots. I think that's uh, I think that's one that makes a lot of sense. Let me ask you a question. Speaking of p- players and familiarity, um, we know that the Jets uh, have brought a couple of 49ers, their head coach and their OC, um, a guy the last couple of years who's had some injury issues, but. You know, when he was in that secondary role in Atlanta with Freeman, you know, Tevin Coleman at times looked like the better running back there. Um, you know, the Jets are going you know, to have to add a veteran back. It's my personal view. I think they can get by with, with Johnson and, and Pirine uh, backing, backing up a veteran. But do you think a guy like Tevin Coleman, I know he didn't do much last year and he was hurt, but you know, let's face it, he's not that far removed from a 200-game rushing game in, in the playoffs back in back in 2019. So I'm curious, you think there's a potential fit there as well? Yeah, I, th- I yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, when it comes to like new coaches and offensive coordinators and they're coming in together, sure, familiarity and, and, and players that you know and have seen in action up close firsthand makes sense. But I think the Jets are going to go big game hunting at running back. I think they are really going to try and make a, an effort for Aaron Jones uh, Chris Carson, and then uh, you know, and below that maybe a Kenyon Drake. So I think the Jets are, will go big game hunting at running back, and then if that doesn't work out, or you know they they're outpriced, or the teams just don't want to, those, those players don't you know want to come to the Jets, then I could see certainly a Tevin Coleman. I could see Tevin Coleman coming in either way. I mean, I think in today's NFL we see it. You have to have at least two guys that could do something with the ball uh, because. 
as we saw over and over and over last year, these elite running backs who are workhorse guys, McCaffrey, Elliott, Barkley, they don't make it through the season a lot of the time. So I agree with that. And uh, Tevin Coleman is a dynamic player and uh, certainly certainly could, could be part of the Jets uh, in the next season. All right, good stuff. So let's let's move on to to a very interesting uh, spot, and that's the wide receiver position. Um, and there's some big big names there. I think Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin probably uh, amongst the top of them. I think we maybe can sprinkle on a guy like Juju in there as well. So so why and you- Curtis Samuel? So the, the wide receiver position of free agents consists of a couple of elite players. I think with Kenny Galladay, just we we've been mentioning him. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm reading some stuff that the Lions may tag him. Like I don't understand the sense of that. I real I really don't. Uh, I, I just think like go trade the player uh, or. or do something with him to franchise him. He's in the last year of his deal. He doesn't have a restructured contract. Um, so, so he's not going to be on the players that we talk about, but he certainly could figure in the mix if the Lions uh, smarten up and don't franchise him. But this wide receiver list, like you mentioned, Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin clearly lead the way. Then you have two other guys like Juju Smith-Schuster and Curtis Samuel and like a Corey Davis, who I think teams are trying to figure out, is he just going to be a good number two receiver? Could he fill into that number one role? Will Fuller has got some interesting things going on here. Uh, you know, we want to go back to the Texans. If Deshaun Watson is not there, you know, our team is a little concerned about him. Uh, and then you have a couple of wide receivers who've been around for a while, and I'm just curious what you think of them. Um, if any of these three can really, you know, like A.J. Green, T.Y. Hilton. Antonio Brown probably is going to resign with Tampa because I just think, you know, with the with the issue with Brady and the trust there, and I'm not sure anyone else is going to try and go out on the limb for Antonio Brown. So let's keep it to A.J. Green and T.Y. Hilton as the aging guys who have just, you know, slowly but surely, A.J. Green, injury issues. Start with those two. Do you think either one of those two, and if so, which one, do you think can make an impact and at the age of 32 and 33. Uh, I think both of those guys are, are, are in the latter part of their careers, and they're past the point where they're the impact number one receiver. If you want to use either of them as a number three, I, you know, or at times a number two guy, I'm fine with that. Uh, but no, I just think, you know, with, with the talent and the youth at the position, I think there are much better fits out there. I think the one guy, uh, you know, the guy who played really well in the absence of, of Kenny Galladay, especially later in the season, was Marvin Jones. He's going to be an interesting guy. I'm not a Marvin Jones guy because I think he's such a boom and bust guy, but he really did thrive with no Kenny Galladay there. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I'd be more interested in, in that player than I just think the injuries. Now I was going to get. Yeah, I was going. I was going to get him. So you like uh, Marvin Jones out of the over thirty club, I guess. Um, uh, above those other guys. And, yeah, and I, don't, I also don't want to have anything to do with uh, with Sammy Watkins as well. I, I just would throw that out I there. Even, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even put him on the list at, at, at this point. Uh, we could talk about the whole free agent wide receiver list, but we're kind of like, for the for the purposes of the podcast, kind of just you know narrow it down to a few. And then like these number two receivers, I'll give you four of them. Tell me, you know, I don't think any of these guys necessarily are number one receiver, but who intrigues you the most? 
Will Fuller, Corey Davis, Juju Smith-Schuster, Curtis Samuel. Uh, well, okay, so the two guys that intrigue me the most just because of what they did last year uh, and depending on the situation that they fall into would be Curtis Samuel and, and Will Fuller. So Will Fuller, I'll start with him, been a frustrating player to own over the course of his career, hasn't been able to stay on the field. This year he has a roid issue, which probably was one of the reasons why he was able to stay on the field. So that's a complicated one for me and one that I, you know, again, I don't trust the player. Uh, He looked terrific while he was on the field this year with Deshaun Watson, but I I don't trust the situation and... I think that's, I, I don't know, I just feel like the reason why he was able to stay healthy is because he was he was pumping himself up with some stuff. So I'm going to be cautious on Will Fuller despite what he did this year. I think Curtis Samuel tossed all the right heads for me. I'm, I'm actually surprised. I mean, I, I would have thought that Carolina would try to make an attempt to get him in there, but I guess it be, just becomes a... I think Carolina is putting everything else on the back burner thinking about the Sean Watson, right. quite frankly. No, I think that's the issue, right? And, and th- that might be an opportunity for Samuel to seek out, but Samuel can do so many different things with the football and I just you know if you watch game film and what he did in the second half of the year this year I think there are teams out there that probably would salivate over adding what about a specific team like the the Washington football team who Ron Rivera knows the player the team kind of needs that type of player like you know perfect uh, it kind of fits to what they're trying to do do you think that's like a kind of match Uh, we we touched yep we talked about familiarity a few minutes ago with Tevin Coleman. Do you do you see a similar thing there between Curtis Samuel and the Washington football team? Yeah, I, I think that's a great fit. I think you can even make an argument. Uh, we've talked – well, I, I don't know. New Orleans is a tricky one, especially with the change in quarterbacks, but I think he's a player in that kind of offense where Sanders is almost done with his career. Taquan Smith is just too inconsistent for me. But I just think t- Curtis Samuel has a place, a big-time place in an offense – uh, you know, and so where there's a hole and where there's young quarterbacks and he can make a difference. I think if you put Curtis Samuel in a place where where there's carpeting, um, indoors, dome type of place, I, and you just take it to another level. I actually, I think it's a it's a big jump for a player like that. Your argument about the about the, or your reasoning behind uh, Ron Rivera makes a lot of sense, but but I think Curtis Samuel showed you we could do as a player last year, and I think a lot of teams in the NFL could use a player of his talent. Yeah, I mean, before I ask you about the other two guys, why is it that I could just see with Sammy Watkins leaving and the Kansas City probably not in love with McCole Harpin? Why is it that I could just see in in a couple of months Kansas City signs Will Fuller to a three-year deal or or a two-year deal or, or something like that? Why is it that I could just see that match of Will Fuller with that speed go into Kansas City. I don't know. I mean, I have not heard that at all, but with Kansas City certainly losing Watkins, and I'm not sure there's a real level of trust between Mahomes and McCall Hardman. Um, no, I, no, we that, saw that We saw that in the Super Bowl, right? There's probably... Uh, there, I just could see, like, Will Fuller being, like, a, a boy. But uh, but the, the other two guys, uh, you know, let me ask you about Corey Davis and Juju Smith-Schuster. I, I wondered, and I mentioned this, to you several times, and I probably even mentioned it on the podcast. I'm wondering if Pittsburgh drafted Chase Claypool in mind, knowing that they were not going to re-sign the second contract of Juju Smith-Schuster. So 
do you think Corey Davis, who was red hot at the start of the year when A.J. Brown was out, and then, wow, was he a no-show in the playoffs the end of the year? Corey Davis and Juju, what's your thoughts on those two players? Can either one be a one? Are they clearly number twos? Can they be a one A even? What's your thought on those two guys? I think I think they're, you know, I think you talked about Juju a lot um, the last couple of seasons, especially going into 2000, um, uh, you know, 2019. I remember us talking about it too, like you felt without AJ Brown um, that that. You know, it might be a little bit more challenging for Juju. And then last year, I think you were a little bit more positive on the player. I think Jay, I think Juju was a victim. I don't know what they were doing in that offense for, for especially the second half of the year. But wasn't it to the point where Juju was running like three and four and five-yard patterns at most? Um I, I think he became a distraction, too, with his kind of dancing antics and... I, I, I think he's done his time in Pittsburgh. I think you're right about about the Claypool signing. I think they kind of had this in mind as well. But curious usage there. And I think Corey Davis, there's not enough there to trust the player. I mean, physically, he has it. We had been, you know, term, love this player. We've been waiting for Corey Davis to kind of show up for years, and he hadn't done it. And this year, he was able to do it, you know, with, with A.J. Brown garnering a lot of attention. I like him as a 1A because I mentioned when, it, when a guy like A.J. Brown is there, that gives Corey Davis some room to roam. And, and I think that's a situation. You, hey, you, babe, by the way, you want to put Corey Davis on Kansas City, you can, you can line him up there. I think it would be a wonderful fit there. Not the speed dimension, but certainly the capabilities um, and, and the hands and the trust that Patrick Mahomes could gain. But I, I think he's a 1A guy, and, and there's, a, there's a, probably a couple of really good landing spots for him. Yeah, and then uh, <clears throat> anything else you wanted to add at, at wide receiver, or you wanted you could, uh, just talk a little bit about tight end situation where there's really not that much going on with anything else you wanted to add about wide receivers? I think the only other guy, I agree with you, by the way, on um, on Antonio Brown. The only other wide receiver I, I actually have a question on, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on the player. Um, uh, I'm losing my train of thought now, and I had it for a minute. It's Nelson Aguilar, who... We know with the Eagles, he just kind of struggled over the course of his career. Last year, he became he was the clear number one wide receiver on a team where you know they drafted Henry Ruggs, uh, Edwards, who never was able to stay on the field. But Aguilar was he had he had Derek Carr's trust last year, and. Does he stay? Does he go? What, what do you see for Aguilar? Do you just not trust a player? Because I, I thought last year at times he, he was a game-breaking talent for the Raiders. Yeah, man. When he, when he came out of USC, he had the makings and the look of, wow. Like, he just jumped off the, the screen when you watch film of him and watch his game tape. Just electrifying. And then, I don't know what happened. He, he lost all his confidence playing with the Eagles. Uh, the fans were getting on him. He had some terrible drops. And then, you know, sometimes that's what it takes. You know, you go and you have uh, a new, uh, a fresh start, and you could kind of, you know, revive uh, your career, if you will. Uh, so 
I don't particularly trust the player, um, but I, I think I think you know he he proved that he could he could help somebody uh, as long as you know he's not in a situation where he's clearly the number one guy going into the season, uh, and he could be kind of a complimentary guy. So I don't tr- fully trust him, but he, you know you're right. I mean he was a different player with the Raiders than he was uh, his years with the Eagles for sure. All right, so let's uh, let's move over to tight end. I, for me, the most interesting guy at tight end because I just think physically he's an interesting player. Um, and, and and yeah, Hunter Henry, Robert Tanyan's a name to mention too. I think the most interesting guy is, is the kid from is the kid Everett at, out of the Rams, where there's just so many pass catchers there. So I don't know that he had the proper opportunity to kind of show what he could do. There were times when he did look really good. Uh, I think to me, he's one of the most interesting guys out there at the tight end position. Uh, I don't, I don't know what you think of the player, but I, I just think, I think Everett at times, you know, on this team has had a couple of great games. But again, he was competing with a lot, a lot of different guys, and uh, I think Gerald Everett after the Hunter Henry and the John U. Smith guys. I'm not a fan of Jared Cook. Uh, Mo Ali Cox is an interesting guy. He's a big guy, but he's kind of a lugger down the field. But to me, the most interesting guys to me, the most interesting guy is Gerald Everett. So I, I, I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, obviously, Hunter Henry, we think he's a solid player. It seems to me it would make sense to to kind of re-sign with the Chargers, but you know, I don't know if they could fit him in. But uh, Everett's the most interesting guy to me on the list. Yeah, I mean, Gerald Everett, he, he, is, he is who he is. I mean, he's he's never going to be a strong blocker. <clears throat> he's never going to be really a willing blocker. He's a good pass-catching tight end. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It, it's kind of like uh, ironic that him and Cook, they kind of remind me of the same type of player. Uh, I, I think they're both just okay. I mean, if, if, if Everett landed... It, you know, with a with a great quarterback who loves going to the tight end, I could see how he could become interesting. But the player that you've mentioned a few times is the one that you know I'm interested in is a Hunter Henry, who uh, injuries have kind of plagued him, but he is a tremendous, uh, tremendous hands, tremendous red zone threat. And I don't know, you know, you know, I kind of agree with you. It may be difficult for the Chargers to re-sign him. So I'm kind of looking at where Hunter Henry ends up because I think he's one of these guys, if he could stay healthy and has a good landing spot, he could push himself back into that top seven or so or right after the top five guys, um, you know, in the, in in that group, and I know you kind of feel the same way about about the player. Just a little where I'm staying on the field, and the other thing is Zach Ertz. I, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. Uh, it looks like the either way, the Eagles either he either have Jalen Hurts, a second year quarterback, or they're going to draft a rookie quarterback. So either way. They're going to have such a young quarterback. You'd like to have a keeper player like Zach Ertz. But with his contract, I think there's a fair chance that the Eagles are just going to release him. Uh, So Zach Ertz, a lot of wear and tear, a lot of great play, injuries, mixing it all together. What kind of, you know, how would you, how would you pursue if you were a general manager of another team, Zach Ertz? Yeah, I still think Ertz has the ability to be a success, a very successful NFL player. Um, 
yeah, he's older than some of the guys that you know we talked about, or even his own teammate in, in Dallas Goddard. But uh, he generally has been a guy that stayed on the field over the course of his career. So I, actually, I just saw where Tyler Eifert was let go. You think about a guy like Trevor Lawrence coming in there and getting a, a veteran tight end, maybe at a little bit of a discount given what happened last year. I think Zach Ertz can still play football in this league and be a, a very, very successful tight end uh, for any team. So I, I'm still pretty high, and I think wherever he ends up, we'll, he will still make a material difference at the position. Uh, absolutely. Was there any, anybody else you wanted to mention or bring up at tight end? No, no. I, the, the names that we mentioned is about the only names I wanted to talk about. So before we before we go, and I guess you know we'll we'll certainly be keep doing these. Is just don't want to go finish the podcast without just mentioning Tiger Woods and the situation. And uh, I know you, you know, I don't really golf at all, and you you're an avid golfer. You love it. You love watching it. You love playing it. You're interested in it. Um, so you know, this is a difficult one, right? Because the first thing you're always concerned about is, you know, was he going to survive it? And it looks like, you know, at this point that the reports are that he's going to, you know, he's going to, he's going to be okay. As far as his golf career, that's secondary, but, you know, just re- reflecting on Tiger career, Tiger Woods' career um, as a golfer, because I, I think there's probably more likelihood than not that his career, as far as, you know, going after majors, is going to be difficult with the recovery and all of that. And of course, his health is first and foremost. But I mean, just looking back, I mean, the one thing that I always think of that's parallel is kind of like the Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas comparison with LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Do you, do you agree that kind of like, I'm not saying who you prefer in either one of those, but do you think though that comparison parallels each other? Yeah, look, this is a transcendental, transcendental figure in, in the game of golf. Um, The game of golf today is what it is today because of Tiger Woods. He's made, you know, any of these young players today are a derivative of Tiger Woods and what he brought to the game. We could talk about, and if you haven't seen a documentary on HBO, I think it's worth a watch. It was a a very interesting dynamic, obviously, with his dad. Um, This is a player that, and and, and look, I'm not going to, because of race, I think there are some people in this country that didn't want to see him succeed, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but that I think that's the case in some instances. Um, but Tiger Woods is an unbelievable athlete um, who had his transgressions uh, as as a as a as a family man certainly, and and it impacted his career. He he's had multiple run-ins, you know, with with accidents. Now I think this is the third one he's had. Uh, I hope he was not on anything. Uh, I did not like the way the player looked. Uh, on his interview on Sunday with Jim Nance when he's uh, hosting his tournament out in L.A. So I hope there's nothing involved like that, and this is just one of those things where he was distracted or he had a swerve out of the way or something. So it it makes for certainly another compelling story if Tiger Woods can make another comeback, but, you know, there are bigger fish to fry here, I think. And um, look, Ben Hogan came back from a very, very serious accident late in his career um, to, to win again on the PGA Tour. I think Tiger has, like I said has meant everything to the tour in terms of what he's brought to it. The fact that all these guys are jacked up and the, the, the athletes on the PGA Tour today are completely different than when in Jack, than that Jack Nicholas or Arnold Palmer era. We have elite athletes that are taking up the game of golf now, which is a really huge difference and, and what they do to get themselves prepared to play the game. So so Tiger Woods, to me, is, is everything that the PGA Tour is today is, is because of Tiger Woods. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, you, we could debate who's the greatest and and, and how important, you know, and, and, and what they've done. But, I mean, if you talk about one player, if you're talking about, like, what they've meant to that sport, I don't think you could put anybody above Tiger Woods in terms of golf. I mean, you know, forget, you know, putting race aside for a second, you know, he made golf cool, right? Young people. Yep, he did. Interested people who not even necessarily young who didn't follow golf. They wanted to watch it. They I couldn't believe how a guy could hit the ball that far, be so accurate, uh, be so dynamic. His aggressiveness, his even taunting, his relationship with his caddy. I mean, all of it was just so dynamic. And uh, yeah, it just um, you know, just it was just difficult. Uh, to, to watch that and look the guy what shouldn't be lost is you know forget about his talent for one second to have multiple back surgeries multiple surgeries on your knee and to be able to have that and then come back and win a major tournament is absolutely incredible and uh yeah, I mean, to play the game of golf or competitive sports after having all of those surgeries shows the desire and the will of of him, and uh, it's absolutely incredible. I'm sure every you know everybody's hoping that he ends up okay, and certainly you know everybody would love to see him you know continue his career in golf and, and all of that. But uh, just um, a, a difficult thing, and uh, when somebody's had those many surgeries. You're still trying to play competitive sports at that level. It's it just it just takes a lot out of you. Yeah, look, it's it's hard. I, I had a bad back uh, for a period of time uh, in, in in my uh, early 30s, which made it a little bit more challenging. I had to go through rehab and stuff like that. Never had a surgery, so I can and certainly I wasn't a professional in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, I think I think the other interesting thing is Tiger Woods carried himself very differently uh, in in his younger Tiger. You know, the brashness was there. He wasn't exactly uh, you know warm and fuzzy to other players on the tour. He's definitely a different player now. Um, he's taken on the role of mentorship and leadership. Uh, he was captain of the President's Cup this past year. Uh, he's a different figure out on the golf course. I think there were a lot of other things going on in his life, you know, 15, 20 years ago that are much different than today. And look, like I said, I mean, I bring up race because I think there are some people that didn't want him to succeed because of that. But that's, to me, a ridiculous situation. Um, Tiger Woods is is an amazing talent. And I think, again, you know, the most... Uh, the most uh, you know compelling and transcendental transcendental figure in in the game, and this is nothing to take away from guys like Jack Nicholas or Arnie Palmer, who were terrific players in their own right. But it was a different age. These guys are much more athletic. And I'll tell you what, on, on the tour today, I mean, Tiger's just one of the guys right now, and he's much older in his career. When he went out and won in Augusta, that was a huge story. And you know, you mentioned ratings and stuff like that and interest. But you know, when Tiger Woods competes. Everybody watches, you know, everybody, it doesn't matter what gender, it doesn't matter what age, people, and whether you love him or hate him, people are watching him, and, and, and he's a riveting figure, and uh, I, again, I hope there's nothing untoward that went on here, I, I really do, uh, like I said, I did not like the way he looked on the telecast, um, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not one, I'm not judging I just, you know, knowing that there's some past history there, um, you know, and, and, and when you're dealing with back injuries and trying to kind of get yourself better, you know, part of the regimen is, is definitely treating it with painkillers. So I, I'm hoping that is not the case here, and I'm not jumping to conclusions, so I don't want to get my head chopped off. But, uh, 
But again, you know, I, I hope he makes a recovery. And I, I certainly will be one of those guys that will be right there watching when Tiger Woods is trying to win a golf tournament again. And it doesn't matter which one. I would like to see him try and, and, and make a comeback here. Because the surgeries that he had were no joke from, from by all accounts. Yeah, I mean, every you know, first and foremost, that we're all hoping that he, you know, he he's well and he comes out of it and he's, you know, can 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 live life and play with his kids and 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 all that first and foremost. And if, you know, you know, everybody would love an amazing comeback story, which he we see with that. But I, I think when it comes to Tiger Woods, he's more than just a sports figure. You know, like we've been talking about. You know, nobody has meant to their sport. Now, I'm not going to just go on there and say, like, Tiger Woods is better in golf than Michael Jordan or Jim Brown were in their sports or Muhammad Ali and Boggy. Like, you, to make that comparison is silly. But as far as what they've meant to their sport in all aspects with Tiger Woods, race, youth, excitement, all of it, um, I, I don't think there's anybody in his class in terms of what – key men to the sport of golf so uh, just uh, you know tough to tough to see especially you know we weren't around when Nicholas I mean we were you know weren't able to really enjoy Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer and those great golfers and you know when they were in their prime we certainly were all able to watch Tiger Woods and what he went through uh, in his elite golfing um, you know career so we were able to watch that and uh just it just it's just it's just difficult to see and uh hopefully uh the story will have a good ending. Yeah, so, so you know, it's interesting. Um, you watched that tournament a few weeks ago uh, out in Scott, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, in the desert, um, uh, the Waste Management Classic, and, and that 16th hole with all those grandstands around, and, and that event has become, you know, the now granted it's l- less people uh, this year with COVID, but it's become one of the most raucous events uh, in, in of, of all in all of golf, I think. I think they get something like 50,000 people a day when they have a tournament there, uh, to me, that's a direct corollary of, of Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, that, that doesn't happen if there's no Tiger Woods. And yes, we're in a different era of television and, and contracts. Uh, I, think, I think golf has become a game where, you know, in this age of, of sports gambling and sports betting, uh, golf has become a very popular one. The PGA Tour has actually embraced that. Uh, and, and I think Tiger Woods is, is, is the guy that we can really thank and, and be responsible for. Every, all of these young players, you know, the Rory McIlroys, the Jason Days, the Ricky Fowler, they're here. They are, they are descendants of Tiger Woods. It, it doesn't happen without him. That's that's plain and simple. And uh, you know, I will certainly be rooting for him to make a comeback. Um, I always thought that Jack Nicholas's record would be tough to conquer. Um, and you know, when he got all those injuries and he missed all those years and tournaments and stuff like that. And, and certainly, who cares? Who really, really cares? I mean, Tiger Woods is the best golfer to me of all time. Um, and you know, unfortunately, the injuries got him. But let, let, let's hope he makes it back and, and makes it back. Um, you know, to to be like you said, the the family man that he, he needs to be for his kids. By the way, his kid, his kid Charlie, uh, he can play. He played in a in a father son event with him. Yeah, um, that, yeah. <laughs> the, the kid yeah, com- no, de- de- definitely. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things, and you know, I think Tiger Woods' career and and his you know his personality has been like a roller coaster where he came in and like so many people were rooting for him and then there were people rooting against him. 
and then he went through this career where he was winning so much, and then the rumors about him, what kind of guy he was, it kind of like, you know, in wrestling terms, I don't want to say the villain, but he kind of like took on that role of being a cold guy and the rumors of that. Look, we don't know it's true, you know, we've never really known him, but um, you know, just the you know, other golfers and, and you know, and people wanting the golf tournaments, you know, that he, he wasn't necessarily friendly. And look, you know, a lot of his environment, of his the way his dad uh, raised him to be, you know, with that, with that stone-cold killer attitude and toughness. But it's changed, and now he's the clear hero, and 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 everybody just seems is rooting for him. I'm not talking about now. Of course, everyone's rooting for him to make a full recovery. But these last couple of years, I mean, when he was making those run and he was playing great, I mean, those crowds. It was raucous. I mean, it was it was incredible when he was making runs uh, at other golf tournaments and majors, and when he finally won the major, it was it was just electrifying to watch. I mean, it was it was just captivating. Yeah, I think for a guy like yourself, you, you don't really, you said you really don't play the game, but I, but I would think that your level of interest in golf, uh, Tiger Woods, has contributed to kind of increasing that. I, I I would I would take a guess at that. Maybe I'm complete. We never really talked about it, but oh I'm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, of, of course, he just. You know, brings he's one of these guys. You know, you just hear the name, and you know exactly uh, you know who it is, and you just hear Tiger, and really know uh, what, uh, what what it refers to. Just uh, just yeah, t- terrific, uh, t- terrific. You know, end of his career that he was able to come back and and, and win that major, and uh, like it just seemed that it had come all full circle where his dad was there when he won his first major, hugging him, and then. When he won his last major, his kids were there hugging him. It had come full circle. Just uh, absolutely uh, amazing to see. And uh, hopefully the story still has some good chapters left in it. Yeah, and I'll say I'll say one other thing. Like I think success a lot of times does breed a lot of jealousy. You know, we could look at something like the Duke basketball program, uh, uh, the New England Patriots, for example. The Yankees, right? Yeah, things like that, right? Like, like a lot, a lot of success does breed jealousy, and in a game of golf where it is not a team sport, so essentially Tiger Woods is the New England Patriots, you know, for lack of a for lack of another analogy, um, you know, these type of things do do breed jealousy, and you know, people do want to see others kind of win, but you know, look, Tiger Woods had the mental fortitude and the physical ability at the time to be better than everybody else, right? And you know, the, the body is broken down. I still think the mental part of his game. I think the one thing I would say was that people really didn't appreciate about Tiger Woods even back in the day. Tiger Woods in in his heyday and success was actually as as much as he hit the ball better than everybody else. He was the best putter on the PGA Tour, bar none. He was the best putter on the PGA Tour, and I think that's something that probably you know go. Yes, it was grand to see the big drives and all that kind of stuff, but I'll tell you what, his short game and and his putting is the thing that actually made the difference. And that the amount of hours and work that goes into that is just it's it's staggering. It's staggering. Yep, good stuff. All right, so uh, that that's it for today, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcasts. Again, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. This has been a fun discussion. Threw a little golf in there. As Wiz has discussed, we got some 
more interesting things to come uh, as the off season wears on. But th- this was a fun discussion. I think the one other thing we, we, you know, we didn't talk about defense or offensive linemen, but you know, we'll talk about that too because th- that may make a d- distinct difference in in kind of what shapes some of these offenses and defenses. Uh, and, and maybe we'll get into that in, in another one. But uh, it's depending on how how people shift around, because there's names like Von Miller out there as well. Uh, you know, a, a, a premier talent, and, and I mentioned some of those Tampa Bay Buccaneer players as well. But a lot to talk about. So, Wiz, I'll wish you a good rest of the day. Uh, we'll come back next week because uh, I'm going to be out of, out, out, of, out of town for a couple of days. But uh, look forward to catching everybody next week again with some more interesting insight on uh, on football and anything else that might be going on in the world. So have a good one, Wiz, and we'll uh, talk next week. You got it.